Welcome back to the Spirituality and Business Leadership Podcast. I'm Jennifer Woolley, one of your hosts, and today we're talking with Laura Jacobus. Laura is a Silicon Valley veteran who worked as a lawyer for the likes of Cisco and Juniper Networks for over 25 years. And then recently, she decided to follow her passion and talent for education and has now taught for UCLA, Drexel, Santa Clara University, among several others. Even more recently, she co-founded Pinbus PB, a consulting business supporting faculty and professional development law firms and corporate professionals. Last year, her first book, Essential Lawyering Skills, was published, and this year her new book, yeah, she's been busy, Ethics and Business, an Integrated Approach for Business and Personal Success, will be out. I'm so excited Laura's here with us. When you told me about your decision-making in college of whether or not to get your law degree, because that wasn't necessarily your top of mind. I thought that was really interesting. So I thought we could start there. That sounds great. Um, Yeah. You know, I don't think I made, I don't think I made decisions really, or I, I certainly didn't make thoughtful decisions uh, in college or in law school, or probably for the first 12 years of my career. Um, you know, when I was in college, I started out as a business student Mm -hmm. and I really didn't know what business was, right. I grew up with an artist dad and a mom who didn't work and I really didn't know what business was, but I saw Silicon Valley growing up around me and I thought, well, it might be fun to work in one of those buildings. Right. Um, and then in my, I, at Santa Clara, actually in my, I think in my third quarter, I took accounting and stats at the same time. And I realized that business, <laughs> maybe not numbers <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't for me. And it was the first moment I think I ever had, where I thought, what do I want my life to look like? Right. And uh-huh. I, I had, uh-huh. I mean, that was that one aha moment and then it disappeared again for a few decades, but I had, I had that moment and I thought it would be so cool to sit on a foggy beach in Mendocino and write novels. Right. So I had mm-hmm. the, I was going to be the pre John Grisham. That's what I, that's what I thought. Um, and so I, I became an English major, uh, first considered math and Spanish, but I realized that I I was always going to have to find the right answer. <laughs> yeah. be a right answer. There'd always be homework at night where there was a right answer. And mm. deep down, I think it bothered me that there was a right answer. And I like the idea of, um, I think because I realized I didn't know myself very well of having to be graded on what I came up with, right? Uh-huh. Not, that, not that it was the content, but I was graded on the process. And I kind of like that idea. Yeah, Um, and so I went with the writing emphasis. So, uh, and then I did have one professor when I was literally, you know, asking for that form to be signed that said you will, you know, not only be formally switching to an English major, but you're going to be a creative writing uh, emphasis. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she questioned it, right? She questioned whether or not I was good enough, Mm -hmm. and that has stayed with me for 
you know, 30 years, 35 years. And, and that has informed a lot of the way that I teach right now because yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've always thought maybe I should go and knock on her door and say, you really had a significant, (laughs) in a nice way, but you had a significant impact on me and you've really, you know, you've impact because I wouldn't want to do the same to her. Right. But you really, well, yeah, you, you informed my teaching. Um, because I think back then I wasn't particularly focused and I wasn't confident and I, it was new to me to put my thoughts and feelings on a page. That's great to do to somebody who's not confident, may have low self-esteem. Are you sure you want to do this? I'm not going to nurture you or help you or mentor you. Are you sure? Wow. This, I guess she kind of was like, I guess it could work. Ouch. Um, And so I think. That's what you want to hear as a 20 year old. (laughs) But in spite of that, I thought I'm just going to do it. Right. I'm just going to, I'm going to, cause I couldn't picture anything else. Um, Yeah. 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 So that was, that was what I thought I would become this novelist or poet. And then I graduated and, uh, and I was terrified. Right. Absolutely terrified because I couldn't get a job and mm-hmm. I had no experience and I, I, yeah, I didn't really know where to go, go next. And so I gave myself what, six months to publish a novel. Didn't, didn't no, pressure. no pressure. Hurry up, crank out a novel. I was wow. not, I was not Amanda Gorman and I was not the pre John Grisham clearly. Uh, and so instead I filled out, uh, I filled out a law school application, but in, I I even came to that in a bad way. I literally had in front of me an application for UCLA film school for the screenwriting program and an application to law school. And I really wanted to do film school because it was creative and I could see that again, I could picture the life, but I stayed for the security. You know, I, I, uh, I, I thought if I do law school, it'll be steady um, I didn't know what a lawyer was. Absolutely no idea what a lawyer did. No idea what that life looked like. Never had met a lawyer in my life, but I thought it'll earn me enough money that I can write on the side mm-hmm. and maybe I can retire early. And, and so I went to law school. Yeah. That had to be a really hard decision. It was a really bad decision, <laughs> right? I mean, I Not necessarily, <laughs> I know but, but you made it, you made a trade-off. I mean, I think that a lot of people do. I mean, I know I have where you look at the possibilities and you go, you know what, I'm going to go with the security. And at that point in your life, it was important to you. I've, I've done that. So I don't think that this is an abnormal or ill-informed decision. It was just what you had to do at the time. But I think I could have, if, if, I had had a 50 year old mind at 20, I would have said, hopefully, do I have the skills to be a lawyer? Maybe I should go talk with a lawyer. <laughs> I should figure out what these people do all day long. What's well. the life of a lawyer? Right. What, what, what do you do sitting in a desk? I mean, yeah. would I be interested in the work? Right. And, and, you know, I grew up with a, a dad who was an artist. And so for some reason, recognizing that I had, 
you know, the school was easy for me growing up right through high school. It was, it was, it was easier for me than other people. And I knew that, Mm -hmm. um, I thought I needed to do a, you know, quote, smart job, unquote. Right. And so what that meant to me, and also not having any women as role models, the only women when I was growing up who worked were one single mom, who I think was a secretary and the teachers that I had who hated their work. Right. Um, I didn't know any other moms who worked. And so the smart jobs to me were a doctor and a lawyer. That's all that I knew. I didn't know. I didn't even know what an engineer was in 1983 when I graduated from high school and, and I was terrified of needles. And so I thought, well, I guess, I guess it's law school. I mean, now I know the hardest jobs are the jobs where you create something from nothing. Mm -hmm. It's harder to be a writer than it is to be a lawyer. It's harder to be a creator than it is to, you know, to be filling out a spreadsheet, right? Um, of data that already exists, right? right. It just, it's um, not that one is smarter than the other, but it's, it's hard, it's hard work to create something from nothing. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, I didn't recognize that at the time. Yeah. I don't think most people do. I think you're right. I think, I think you're right. Yeah. And it's fascinating that you, you had this idea of the smart job uh, and what you should do as a smart person. And that, that makes a lot of sense. There's that conformity, that pressure that as a smart person, you're supposed to go down one of these paths. Right. And even, I mean, I think now when students come to me and I spend a lot of time now, a lot of my days are spent talking with students about what they want to do and how to kind of figure out their life's path. Um, and at least the start of the work that they want to do. Um, and I I want to give them options and let them know there is no right path. I think for me, I the, the film thing was exciting to me because it included writing and I was very interested in film and analysis, but I didn't ever investigate the possibility of getting uh, a master's degree in literature or, mm-hmm. you know, focusing on Chaucer or something that I had loved in college, I didn't even know that those options existed. I didn't yeah. know that there was something else I could have done. I really just thought, well, it's PR or it's, you know, like I didn't, I didn't see the possibilities of what I could have done with an English degree that would have been really powerful. I mean, now I think it would have been cool to go to a publishing house or be an editor or write in, in which would have enabled me to write on the side in a more logical way. Um, but yeah, I spent much of my first year in law school, actually uh, <laughs> attending MFA sessions to try to figure out how to make the switch because I immediately realized there was no creativity in law school, right? Creativity was frowned upon. You had to learn how to think a certain way and write a certain way and analyze cases in a certain way. And you all had to be the same. And I, I, it, it wasn't a fit for me. You know, I was really depressed and really sad in law school and felt like I didn't fit. So um, yeah. And then at some point I thought, well, you know, I have loans. I should just finish this thing out. So, wow. yeah. And you, it's not like you just finished it out. You were successful. No, I really wasn't. I mean, I see <laughs> <laughs> no, so nice of you to think that, but, but no, <laughs> Let listen me- to you. Oh, um, the unsuccessful. Yes. Yeah, lost student. No, I mean, I, <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, your, your, your worldview comes from where you came from, right? I perceived on Santa Clara's law school campus back then, um, pre-Charney Hall days that everybody had money, you know, people had time to uh, participate in law review and clubs on campus and get to know each other. Um, and I felt completely inadequate. I worked to put myself through. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there were rules at the time that the ABA had about how many hours you could work a week. I wasn't aware of them probably because I never showed up for school. Um, but I, you know, I <laughs> benefited greatly by the fact that I have a photographic memory. And so I didn't go to class a lot. I got friends notes very often and I just numbered the pages and memorized them. And that's how I got through. And I didn't have great grades. Uh, I realize now the grades were fine, but at the time I was horrified by them. Um, and I didn't talk to other people to understand, you know, wh- really where they fell, but they weren't high enough to do what's called OCIs or on-campus interviews. Those are the top and thank God I didn't get that because I couldn't have afforded a suit. I mean, I was living like on M&Ms and, you know, a few wheat thins a day. Um, so, yeah, I, <laughs> I was essentially starving to death and eking my way through. Um, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't terribly successful. Honestly, I, I kind of was a, a fail, but I graduated. Yeah. <laughs> but you didn't sit there and go, OK, I'm not a great student, but OK, I'll just wither away and die. I mean, you went on to, I, I'm going to say the word again, successful career in tech and tech law. Yeah. Yeah. Accidentally. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what I mean. I really, honestly, I didn't make, and Jennifer, I made no conscious decisions for decades. Things just kind of happened. I fell into, you know, sinkholes and decades later, I said, gosh, maybe I should rethink this. Um, no, no, I, 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 you know, I, I didn't, uh, I, I worked for this. Yeah, actually, you know, interestingly enough, I graduated, I walked through graduation and I still hadn't finished law school. Uh, I still had like a, a summer of research and I had to do a big presentation to finish up my unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I started part-time, I went full-time. So I ended up graduating a little bit early, but I really was just finished like a week before the bar happened. And I thought, well, I'll just take the bar and see what it's like, but I didn't study for it. And I didn't, I'm not surprisingly, I didn't, <laughs> I, didn't I did really well, but I didn't pass. Um, and then, you know, I worked some terrible part-time law job. And then I took the bar and I, I studied for a couple of weeks. Um, and then I, and then I passed, uh, and then I got this job that was terrible. I mean, it's a terrible job. It was, it really, um, it was the beginning of my interest in business ethics because it was, you know, there it was just, I, there were no, are no words, you know, it was chaos and the owner of the company was being sued all the time. And, my job was kind of to sit in the lobby and accept, you know, service of process. Oh, you know, I had like this bleeding ulcer. It was just, I mean, it was God awful. And, and then I, I was introduced to somebody who um, had just brought Cisco public and, and said, you know, they might need somebody over there. I'll introduce you. And I, I didn't have time to prepare for the interview. I didn't know what Cisco was. I literally went to this interview with this guy 
uh, in this horrible beat up building in what we called uh, Menlo Park, but it was, you know, it was East Palo Alto when it was the, you know, per capita, whatever, top, top murder rate in the country um, with bullet casings in the parking lot. And, um, you know, I was telling him about how fabulous the potato salad was when I was at Santa Clara. And he was like, you think this is the food service company, don't you? Yes, I do. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> it was, but in fact, no, it was, it was not. And he hired me only because I had had a job in a tech company during law school where I did um, sales to the federal government and mm. he didn't like that part of his job. And so I got the job also only because coincidentally, the rest of the company was at an event in Europe because the company was really small. So if I'd had to interview with other people and talked about potato salad, I mean, I would have been, but it was just, and I think I was only hired as a temp. And then by then I was so nervous. I would lose the job because I could hardly afford my apartment. And I think I was even working a second job on the side at night. Um, that I was like, I got to get this job. And then when people came back, they were like, oh, okay, she's already doing the job. We'll just hire her. So it wasn't like it was intentional. Yeah. It was just, you know, it was a fluke. Um, honestly, a good fluke, but a fluke good or bad. It was, it was, it was my path. Yeah. You know, and I was, I, I was terrified to lose it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you went through and it sounds like, you know, at least 10 years of stress. I mean, from undergrad all the way through law school, starting your career, this is a, this is a lot of stress and you're worried about losing your job. How did it feel once you started working for Cisco full-time and went down that career path? You know, I think it was the first time I felt powerful as a woman. There were very few women there in the mm -hmm. early days. Um, which also resulted, unfortunately, in women being really cruel, right? It's the most unwelcoming environment uh, when you, you know, when it, when any population is aware that there aren't room at the top for more than one of you, right? right. And so I've, I've never had a woman who's a mentor, um, really, other than you, Jennifer, other than oh. you. Um, it's the truth. I really, it's always been men um, because women weren't su supportive because they were competitors, right? I was a competitor, um, but I, yeah, out of fear, I worked myself to the bone, right to the bone. I mean, I was sick. I was sickly. I was incredibly thin. I had bleeding ulcers. I mean, I just, uh, worked out of complete fear. And I was told at, at one point, um, in fact, I think by John Chambers at the time, uh, who was CEO who said, we've never had someone get so many promotions so quickly. Like I was just on an upward traje trajectory um, and, and it wasn't because I loved the work. I didn't love the work. I, in many ways, hated the work uh, and it pushed me out of who I am as a person. It pushed me way out of my comfort zone, but it was empowering and it was thrilling. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and I knew I had moved financially beyond what I grew up with, which I was terrified of ending up in that very poor uh, environment that I grew up in. Um, but I, I worked out of fear. Like I still know people who work there, you know, 30, whatever, 30 years later, who were able to sustain that, right. Who were able to say, I'm perfectly happy being whatever, a manager, a director, and I'm going to do this job until I'm 60. And 
you know, lead a normal life and support my family. And I, you know, was showing up when it was dark and leaving when it was dark um, and hell bound on not losing my, my footing. Yeah. Right. Thank you.